Let's hear the word of the Lord now as God speaks to us from Psalm 118. As he proclaims his word, let us hear and respond in our hearts to all that he says. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Let Israel say, Let the house of Aaron say, Let those who fear the Lord say, Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Hosanna, save us, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Lord God, we acknowledge your steadfast love endures for each one of us forever. We praise you. We thank you. Amen. Please be seated, and if you would, grab your Bibles. Turn to Psalm 118. Hey, Tara. Turn to Psalm 118, if you would. The disciples brought the donkey and the colt and put them on their cloaks, and Jesus sat on them. Most of the crowd spread out their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. I'm sure you picked up that it is Palm Sunday. Most of you, many of you at least, know the events of Palm Sunday, the fact that Jesus, after spending his entire ministry walking, here we have the only experience where Jesus actually is told to be riding on a donkey. And those of you who know the historical background and also the cultural surrounding at the time recognize that this is a sign of Jesus' lordship. He is riding on a donkey, and that proclaims, that announces this image of Jesus as king as he is coming in peace to his own. This is a picture of Jesus riding into Jerusalem and Jerusalem accepting him. And you can see that in part by the crowds that line the way that Jesus is coming, cheering for him over and over again, Hosanna, Hosanna to the highest. Now, it's actually the crowd that attracts my attention at this particular moment, I want to think a little bit about the crowd because many of you will also recognize that many of the people in this very same crowd four days later, five days later, are screaming, crucify him, crucify him. Same crowd that at one point is saying, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. There's also the crowd that screams, crucify him. On Sunday, they are celebrating the coming of their Savior and Lord. And on Friday, they are screaming for his death. On Palm Sunday, we look back 2,000 years, it's true. 
to think about something that took place 2,000 years ago, Palm Sunday, and get excited about it. But that's not the only punch of Palm Sunday. It certainly shouldn't be. Palm Sunday is simply not a reflection of something that happened 2,000 years ago. Palm Sunday should and must be something that speaks into our hearts, not just once a year, but every day. Every day we have the opportunity to join with the crowd and celebrate Jesus coming into our hearts as Lord and as Savior. But when we look at this crowd, I think that it causes some pause for us. What, how do we understand this crowd? Now, we certainly know from the other gospel messages, by the way, how they describe the crowd. The gospel writers use the term a great multitude or a great crowd or so many people. Indeed, the Pharisees who were present there, they kind of categorize it, they exaggerate it, but they turn to one another and they say, the whole world has turned out to welcome Jesus. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? The whole world has come. So this is a massive crowd that has gathered to celebrate Jesus' coming into Jerusalem. How, what's the makeup of this crowd? Well, we're told a couple things. We're told that there are some there who oppose Jesus. There are Pharisees and scribes in the crowd that are actually opposed to everything that Jesus is doing. I don't know. I suspect that there might be a few people in our worship sanctuary today that would fit that bill in their hearts? Probably not that many. Probably more so are part of the crowd simply to be part of the crowd. Have you ever been to an arena, sports venue, or something like that, and everybody is cheering, and everybody gets all hyped up, and your own blood starts flowing a little bit, or at a parade, and everybody's cheering along, and you kind of get swept up in the crowd, sometimes not even knowing what's going on? In my 20s, I was swept up in a crowd and we did something, and I'm not gonna talk about what exactly it is. It wasn't immoral, it wasn't even illegal, but man, was it stupid. And within five minutes, somebody said to me, Henry, why in the world did you do that? My only response would have been, I don't know. Because when the crowd gets going, sometimes you just do stupid things. I suspect you just do crowd things, whatever the crowd is doing. I suspect that there's a fair number of people here that hear the chanting outside the city walls, and it's not far to get out there and to see a big crowd of people that are all gathered welcoming Jesus, and they say, what's going on? And they come out there, and they hear a familiar refrain, Hosanna to the Son of David, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and they start cheering it too without even knowing what's going on. There's bound to be a lot of people perhaps here, that are here just because the crowd, just because they get swept up in the crowd. They like the songs, they like the music, they like seeing Barrett, they, they just get swept up in the crowd. That's bound to happen even in a place like this. But there are bound to be some in that crowd, hopefully many in that crowd, hopefully many in this crowd who are eager to celebrate the coming of the Savior and King. And they do so with words that make sense in their life and should make sense in ours. This is when the whole crowd is on the side of the road. They're waving palm branches. They're taking their cloaks off so that Jesus can walk across a carpeted 
pathway on his way into Jerusalem, and they're cheering. And what are they cheering? Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And if you were paying attention while we were reading the scripture passage, Psalm 118, you will have recognized that that's a citation exactly out of Psalm 118. Psalm 118 was part of six different psalms, Psalm 113 to 118, and parts of other ones that were called Hillel Psalms. And Hillel Psalms were those psalms that the Jewish nation used at all of their special festivals. And of course, this is the, right at the time of the Passover for the Jewish nation, so lots of people were crowded into Jerusalem. And they were used to singing these familiar songs and these particular ones, these six in particular, the Hillel songs. Now, they're called Hillel songs because that means praise. They're praise songs. And if you read them today in your Bible, Psalms 113 through 118, you'll see the, the praise that is happening. But it's particular praise. When I praise the Lord in my own hearts, often what I want to do is I want to stay away from what he has done, and I just want to focus on Jesus. I want to focus on God. I want to praise him for who he is. Not for what he does to me, but Lord, let me just praise you for who you are. That's actually not what these psalms do. These psalms praise Jesus, or sorry, they praise God, not for who he is, but for what he has done in the past. But it's not just saying, God, you have done this in the past, and this in the past, and this in the past. We praise you for those things. These psalms all go, Lord, you've done this in the past, and now we want to see that in the future. You've done this in the past, and now we want to see that more even now in our lives today. They're reflections on what God has done in the past, but only so that they prompt you to want the very same thing today. That's what the psalms, the Hillel psalms do. And here, as the crowd is centering, welcoming Jesus, the King and Savior, into their hearts and into Jerusalem, they are singing the Hillel Psalms. They are saying, God, you have saved us in the past, and now you will save us anew, and here he is, our Savior. Every day, there's the possibility of being like the Pharisees and opposing the work of Jesus. Every day, there's the possibility of just being caught up in the crowd and doing whatever the crowd is doing. But every day, you have a chance to celebrate Jesus as your Lord and Savior, reflecting on what he has done in your life. And Psalm 118 is a wonderful way to help guide and shape that celebration that should be ours continually every day as we celebrate Palm Sunday together. Let's take a look at Psalm 118. If you have that in front of you, I'm just going to walk quickly through it. It's a rather lengthy psalm, but it begins with that phrase that I appreciated the kids and you guys all repeating together. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Now the steadfast love there, that's actually hesed. That's that special unique term in the Old Testament that kind of encapsulates not just love, but it, it encapsulates uh, faithfulness, mercy, love, uh, an eternal and an ongoing sense. It's a word that, has, that is so rich in its meaning that 
nobody actually has a good translation for it. And so here, the ESV translates it as in, uh, steadfast love or enduring love. But it captures so much more than that. It captures the idea of faithfulness and mercy, but all within a certain context. Here what we're doing is the Israelites are claiming, by citing that one phrase, Hosanna in the son of David, they are reflecting all of Psalm 118, and Psalm 118 begins by saying, if you want to welcome this Savior, if you want to celebrate the Savior who touches your heart each and every day, do so recognizing this essence of who God is, his steadfast love, his, his hesed his steadfast love, his great mercy, his enduring faithfulness, his hesed. But that hesed has a particular twist to it. I like dogs, but I don't hesed dogs. You can't hesed dogs, not because they're dogs. Okay, wait a minute, let me think of different. Okay, I like babies. I like babies, but I don't hesed babies. You can't, I love babies, but you can't hesed babies in general. You can only hesed that which you are intimate and connected with and personal with. That's what hesed means. And so I hesed, I'm, there's a baby that I spend some time with and I'm beginning to more and more to hesed that particular baby because I see it a lot and because I like it a lot and that kind of a thing. There's a connection, there's an intimacy that is developing there. That is hesed, love. When Israel quotes, when the disciples quote this passage as they are welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem, they are not just saying, hey, here comes the one who loves us all because he has all this love for everybody, blah, 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 blah. No, what they're saying is, here is the one who hesitates us, who has that intimate, personal love and connection, not just for humanity in general, but for us not just for us, but for me. Every day, you have the opportunity to celebrate that Savior. Not the Savior that is busy with Ukraine and who's busy with all of the pandemic and who's busy with all of, yes, our Lord is busy with all of that. But the amazing thing is that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he hesitates you. He hesitates you. Verse 5, the psalmist writes, out of my distress I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. Here we have this picture of, of, of the Lord that we are welcoming into our lives, and the essence, the key center of these verses and the verses that follow is the the faithfulness, the presence of God. Why is it that we celebrate this coming king because he is present with us, not far and distant, but that he is present and he is responsive to us. So many of us in our prayers, we don't hear God's answer, and so we assume that he is far off. Well, most of us know better. We know that there's lots of reasons why God doesn't answer our prayers the way I want him to answer them. But certainly one reason is not that he is far off, because the promise is consistent that God is present with us. But the kicker of this verse is in that opening line, out of my distress. And the distress here, the distress is, is the emptiness, is the, 
is, is the desperate need, is the misery that the psalmist is in. He says, out of my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered it. Because calling to the Lord, coming to Jesus, welcoming Christ as he has done all of this in your life, celebrating the Lord is not recognizing that you need a little bump to go from good to best. It's not that I just need a little help to be the right person. It's not that I am desperate to kind of get over that final hurdle. It is a recognition of your spiritual poverty before God apart from Jesus Christ. You are in distress. And you will never celebrate the coming king. You'll never celebrate the coming savior. Every day you will not have that Palm Sunday experience in your heart if you do not see yourself as you truly are in grave distress over your brokenness and sin. Out of my distress I called to the Lord. And then in verse 8 and 9, the psalmist says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And what he does, what the psalmist does here then is say, here's the Savior that I am welcoming into my life. Here's a Savior that I am celebrating each and every day. He is the one who is better than man. He's better than princes. And then he goes on following and he talks about being better than the nations and all this kind of stuff in the following verses. And his point is not that God is stronger than all of those things. That's true. It's not that God is, is, is better in that he can do more because he's more powerful than man or more powerful than princes. We all recognize that. The psalmist is caught up in the fact that God is more faithful than man, that God is more dependable than princes, that you can rely and trust upon God more than anything else that is around here. Do you guys, those of you who have kids can sympathize with my experience. You know, I, I say to my young kids when they were growing up, hey, hey um, I believe that tomorrow, you know, tomorrow is, is uh, picture day at school. And the kids say, no, no, Sally said that picture day is next week. I say, okay, I'm your dad, and I say that picture day is tomorrow at school. No, Sally, who is Sally again? Sally's my three-year-old friend. And who are you going to trust? Sally. And I'm like, how can you trust Sally over, how can you trust, I'm your dad. Oh, I trust Sally. And you're just like, how can that be possible? I run into this all, all the time in a non-funny way in my spiritual ministry. The scriptures say this. Yes, but my good friend had this experience and they were told to do this. Yeah, yeah but the Scripture says to do this. Yeah, but my good friend has this experience and I want to trust in that experience. How can you trust in that, your friend's experience, when the Scriptures say this? Better is it to trust in the Lord than to trust in princes or man or nations or anything else. Why? Because God is just that faithful. God is that faithful. That's who we celebrate every Palm Sunday in our hearts. That's who we celebrate every day. We celebrate our Lord, that he is that faithful and trustworthy and reliable and dependable. In verse 19 then, the psalmist writes, open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them. Okay, now uh, on its face, 
What happens is that all the celebratory folks, all the people that are singing this song, they get to the temple, and the temple is, the doors are closed, they're the gates of righteousness, and they're saying, hey, open up those gates that I can come in and celebrate the Lord. That's what's going on here in a general sense, but specifically, verse 20, this is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. This is the gate of the Lord, and the righteous shall enter through it. As you are standing before the gates of the Lord, as you are celebrating this Savior and the Lord, you are celebrating the one not who brings you to the gate of righteousness, and then you look at yourself and say, I can't go through there. I'm not righteous. You're celebrating the one who brings you to the gates of righteousness and then makes you righteous. He makes you righteous so that you may go through those gates. And as the crowd is celebrating Jesus, as they're looking at Jesus, there are some who oppose him. There's probably many who don't know what they're doing there, but there are some that are saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, because they know this psalm, and they're looking at Jesus, and they're saying, this is the one who is going to make me righteous. And every day, you have the opportunity to have a Palm Sunday celebration in your heart when you look at Jesus and you say, this is the one who has made me righteous. The crux of the psalm, the high point, is what is quoted by the disciples as they are on the road. Hosanna, save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Now we use Hosanna as a, as, a, as a cheer of celebration, as a cheer of praise. At least that's what I do. Hosanna, what do I mean by that? Go God. You know, yay, go God. Um, that's not bad. But Hosanna means, the word actually means, it's a, it's a plea, it's a prayer. Oh, Lord, please, and they you know, see somebody grabbing the hem of the robe. Oh, Lord, please save us now. Save us now. When the disciples are cheering as Jesus comes in, they're looking at him going, Oh, Lord, save us now. When we celebrate Palm Sunday here, we're saying, Oh, Lord, save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In the name. Blessed is he who comes with the character of God himself. Every day you have the chance to stand opposed to the work of the Lord. You have the opportunity just to be swept up by the day and be part of the crowd as you move through life. Or every day you have the opportunity to have a Palm Sunday moment as you celebrate the coming of the King and the Savior by acknowledging what? His great, deep, indescribable hesed for you. The fact that he is personal in every way and he is there in your great distress because of your great distress. That he brings you to the gates of righteousness, not so that you can feel lost there, but specifically so that you can be made righteous. And so we can together celebrate and scream so everyone hears, Hosanna 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. His steadfast love endures forever. Please join me as we pray to that Lord together. Oh Lord God, we acknowledge that you are our Savior, that you are the King, that you are the one who has brought us to this place of celebration where we can, with all fervor and with all excitement, stand and rejoice in the blessings that you have given to us, to acknowledge the gifts, to say together, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord, you have come to every believer in this room. You have come to us and we celebrate that, that you have blessed us with your hesed, that you have blessed us with your presence, that you have blessed us with righteousness. We thank you and we praise you for those gifts and for all others, for you are our Lord and our Savior, our King, in whom we pray, amen.